Okay, so this is um, our second podcast about attachment and attachment style. And I am here with my good friends, uh, Jen and Ben Hurst, who um, have, have been some good friends of mine for a few years and uh, know a fair amount about attachment style and attachment, attachment theory and attachment style in particular. And um, Ben and Jen took my, um, my Healthy and Happy series class um, when? A year and a half ago? Like that, yeah. like that. Um, and attachment style, if I'm remembering correctly, was something that kind of resonated in particular with you, Jen. That kind of resonated particularly with you when when we did that um, kind of uh, whatever physical demonstration of how attachment style fills up in front of the class. Yeah. Um, and an attachment style is is a belief system that um, forms as a result of those early attachment interactions or attachment um, begins right immediately. If not, if not um, in utero, then immediately after birth. And it's those tens and tens and hundreds of interactions that occur between the infant and his or her caregiver as attachment moments play out uh, when the attachment, when the when the infant seeks out the attachment figure, the primary attachment figure, and and he or she responds either you know if they res- if they respond with sensitivity and availability, then a secure attachment style is developed. And if when the infant seeks out the attachment figure, they're met with either consistent unavailability and insensitivity, or an inconsistent pattern, then an unhealthy attachment style develops. And an, an atta- so the attachment style is the belief system uh, around the key variables of do I matter to the people that I should matter to? And am I safe with the people that I should be safe with? Research shows that attachment style gets set by about age three. And for most of us, we never change that attachment style for the rest of our lives. So um, this kind of what uh what are your thoughts on attachment style or attachment in general are you asking me yeah (laughs) both of you but yeah um i think attachment at least for me i didn't know a lot about until my adult years and um personally it affected me within my own marriage but it it affected the way that i parented it in a, in a huge way. And, and um, I think it would have been helpful for me to know what my attachment style was at a younger age, because I feel in many ways that I might have projected or, or um, deferred some of my attachment needs based on my children and my husband and how I was relating with them. And once I learned that my attachment style was affecting the way that I parented and the way that I was relating in my marriage, it, it was in, in giving me some new tools. So, and I think when I took your class and I saw you demonstrate what attachment actually looks like, not feels like, or what it is 
intellectually or on paper, I saw you demonstrate what attachment is and can feel like. I've never seen anybody do that before. And it, it really struck me that this is a very, very real thing. And it has impacted my life forever. Like a sense I was probably as young as I could remember and looking back through my childhood and the death of my parent and through my first marriage and then remarrying all that. I think my attachment was played a big, big role in all of that. It does. It weaves its way through all of the intimate relationships in our lives. And, um, and, and really is kind of what you're getting at um, is the re is one of the reasons why attachment style doesn't change, which we'll come back to in just a second. But Ben, what, what um, have your thoughts been on, on attachment, attachment style? Um, well, you know, this, this lady here has taught me a lot about what it is. And, and of course you as well. And, you know, we've kind of learned together her more than I. And I think, um, you know, we both definitely have different styles of attachment. I think I'm very much, um, don't, don't feel I need it as much, even though I think that's not true. I think that when, when we're disconnected, I recognize that it's gone, you know, and really, really need it and long for it. Um, need it a lot more than I think I do. For her, it's everything. Um, she has to, she has to feel attached. She has to feel secure and safe. And, and those are things that I'm personally still learning how to, you know, how to give her and, you know, how to be for her. Um, and, you know, it's been, we've both read, um, the Sue Johnson books and, you know, all about attachment and, you know, so it's a, it's a great thing to be aware of. Um, for me personally, it's then just applying those things, you know, like anything. Yeah. Right. Which is the tricky part, right? Yeah. You have to know what to apply before you can apply it. Right. Yes. So attachment style in particular is so important because it, it determines the way that we engage in intimate relationships in our lives. Um, that belief system, you know, what, what I, if I expect to matter to people, so, so a secure attachment is, is sent, develops when there's a history of sensitivity and availability. So at least 85% of the time when, when the infant goes to his or her primary attachment figure, they're met with sensitivity and availability. And so right that 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 expectation gets wired right into the brain of the infant. And so then she or he has this belief system, if they're securely attached, that that people are that they're going to matter to people. And that they expect people to respond sensitively and availably to them. So secure people enter relationships easily. They open up fairly easily. They, they expect people to respond well to them. And, and when they don't, they tend to be pretty surprised because they're breaking the rules, right? In the wiring in the brain, you're, you're supposed to be sensitive and available to me. I'm supposed to be safe with you and I'm supposed to matter to you. And so when, when the attachment figure behaves incongruently with that, it's really um, it's, out of, it's out of paradigm for a securely attached person. And the second one, an, an avoidant attachment style, 
develops when there's the exact opposite history. When during those first formative three years, um, instead of being met with sensitivity and availability, the, the, the kid is the infant is met with unavailability and insensitivity. And so what do they learn? They learn that, that they don't matter. And what do they expect when they go to attachment figures? They expect unavailability and insensitivity, right? That's the way that their brains get wired. And so these people build walls. Um, they're, they're reluctant to trust. Uh, and they, they sort of are always um, waiting for, for the other shoe to drop. And so why would I make myself vulnerable to you when I believe that you're just going to bail on me, right? So these people um, tend to be pretty tough to, to, to get close to because, because they, don't, they don't think it's safe. Now, their brains want that same thing, right? Avoidant brains want to matter and want to be safe, but, but they don't believe that they're going to. And so, so they enter relationships very cautiously and, and they, keep, they keep people at, at arm's length. And then the third one is a, an ambivalent or preoccupied attachment style. And that develops when there's an inconsistency in parenting during those formative years. Sometimes you're there, sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're sensitive and sometimes you're not. And so I don't know what to expect. I don't, I, so these preoccupied brains get wired to, to not know whether when, when they turn to their attachment figure, whether they're going to be met with you know, taken in their arms and told everything's going to be okay or whether they're going to be told to shut up and quit being a wimp. Mm -hmm. And so, so, so preoccupied people are constantly seeking attachment and connection, but they don't trust it. And, and so you can, you can tell a preoccupied person that you love them a thousand times and they'll still, they'll still doubt it. They tend to be highly jealous. They're, they're always looking for where kind of the snake in the grass is. Um, always waiting for their attachment needs to not be met. Now, why would it be that um, even though the brain is, is perfectly malleable and we can rewrite our brains at any time, including our attachment styles, why would it be that we don't? Most of us never change our attachment styles from age three on. Why would that be? Thoughts? Is it because we're uneducated about it? That the world doesn't know about this as much as they should? Yeah, I, I do think that's a big part. I mean, you don't most people don't know this, right? It's not intuitive. I mean, we know that we want we want we know we can recognize, like you said, Ben, we can recognize when when we feel like that tether is is cut and that we're not connected. And that's when, you know, like you said, that's when you become aware, hey, there's an attachment problem here. Um and, and so we feel that, but, but most of us don't know what's going on when we feel that, and most of us don't know how to fix it, and so we just keep kind of following the same scripts. So I have a question, then, Denim, for you. So what if a child was, was raised in a secure attachment scenario, and then trauma happened, so they, that caused, can that happen for someone to be secure and then something terrible happens that causes them to be anxious or ambivalent, like detached. Yeah. Yeah, so I can understand how that can happen for people as a result of something negative. But how does somebody go from being anxious through childhood 
then turn secure later in life. How does that happen? Yeah, that's the golden. That's 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 where the real rubber meets the pavement, isn't it? Because <laughs> that's what we want to do. We want to move our relationships and our attachment styles to secure. And so, the, the what the research has shown is that there are two things that have been shown to um, to change an attachment style from an unhealthy attachment style to to a secure attachment style. And one is is long term therapy. And, and the second one is a long-term healthy relationship. And essentially the same thing, it's the same mechanism. What we have to do is we have to relearn that it's okay to trust, to trust somebody to be your secure base. So what that takes typically, again, is, is, is knowing what's going on and understanding it. And then, so the, the biggest mistake that I see adults make is when when there's an attachment moment, when, when we're hurt or we're, we're scared or we feel insecure or we're sad or whatever, those are attachment moments where we're supposed to be turning, vulnerably turning toward our attachment figure. And by far the biggest mistake that I see adults make is, is not turning toward the attachment figure in those moments, either because, you know, we don't, we don't trust that they're going to show up for us or we, you know, historically they haven't. We're afraid that their, you know, our needs are not going to be met, and so we either try to go inside, or we distract, or we go to somebody else, and and so what what it takes to be able to rewire that is to is to start vulnerably turning toward the attachment figure during those attachment moments, and then he or she has to show up with sensitivity and availability, and if that if that starts happening enough, then the brain will get rewired. And that attachment style can be changed to secure. It typically so takes a while. I think I am kind of, a, I mean, as much as we've talked about this before, I'm feeling like it's starting to settle in because for all the years that I didn't understand attachment style, I, as an anxious, anxiously attached person, I was turning to all of the wrong people. And the other day you had mentioned something to us about, spouses have a unique role they have you know a very uh, an entitled role that nobody else has and I loved the way that you put that because for many many years I think I was I was turning to the wrong source I was turning to friendships well they can't provide me with the secure attachment things that you just said what did you say availability and access sensitivity and availability yeah access and responsiveness you're right right so my friends i think i overwhelmed them early early on in my early adult years i think i overwhelmed them because i was seeking from them what i should have been getting in a marriage or prior to marriage right is that what you're yeah. trying to explain yeah actually that's a really really good point jen that um that i wasn't explaining but that's <laughs> you're spot on um there there really is only one place. Well, you, we can only get our attachment needs met in three relationships, a parent, a spouse, and God. And, and the reason why those are the only three relationships that can fully function as a secure base is because those are the only three relationships upon which we have sufficient claim to meet the high, the high demands of sensitivity and availability required to establish and maintain a secure base. So, and it's, and it's one of the reasons why attachment style rarely changes because 
we we subtly we engage in relationships in ways that get us exactly what we expect most of the time. Not what we want, but what we expect. And so if I'm if I'm avoidant, how do I engage in relationships? This is how I engage. I don't know if you'll still be able to hear me well, but but if if I'm if I'm avoidant, this is how I approach attachment relationships with my back to the attachment figure because I don't really trust them, right? But what does my mind still want? My mind wants to feel like I matter and to be safe with you, but I don't trust that I'm going to be. And so I, I engage like this with my back to you. And, and so as I engage with you like this, how does that feel? Attached. Yeah, it feels yucky, right? And so, Ben, if you're trying to, to have an attachment relationship with me and you're met like, like this, if you're healthy, what are you going to do? I'm going to come around to the other side. Yeah, uh, you might come around to the other side. Hey, I'm trying. Or turn <laughs> you around. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. But if you continue to be met with this and you're healthy, what are you going to do? Uh, I guess become unhealthy at some you, point. You'll right? probably after- leave me. You'll, yeah. you'll probably leave that relationship um, because because you're not you're not able to connect with me, right? Yeah. And when you do, what is my mind going to say? Of course, everybody bells on me, right? Everybody bells on me. That's what happens. Well, why why did you leave me? Did you leave me because you were unwilling to be a secure base or did you leave me because of how I engaged with you? Yeah. I guess it depends on what attachment style you are, right? If you're secure, I would look at that and it wouldn't mean anything about me, but I would meet, it would immediately tell me that it has something to do with the other person. And then I would seek that person out. Like what's wrong? How, what's going on? For an anxious style, like me, an anxious attachment style, it for me would mean every, like, what's wrong? You know, why is he leaving me? Right. It's all about me. Right. And if I were an avoidant and I was met with avoidant, it seems like I would be like, yeah, I'll just go my other way. We're both avoiding each other, right? Yep. Everybody, everybody leaves me. And, and so, so. The way that we engage in relationships almost always gets us the responses that we expect. Again, not what we want, because we want to matter right. and we want to be safe. But but we have tremendous power. And it's one of the things that just floors me as I work with people, how predictably and subtly the way that we engage almost always gets us what we expect. Because we do it in just little subtle ways. Um, not turning when we should turn not not responding well when they turn and so we carry out this dance that just continues to reinforce that and so jen back to your point by by being willing to to combat that anxious or preoccupied attachment style and um and and vulnerably turning to ben um and and then working with him to give you a sensitive and available response that will begin to elicit data in your in your brain that challenges that preoccupied or anxious attachment style, and your brain will begin to to trust that 
and and that attachment style will begin to move toward a secure attachment style. Really, a great um, a great point. Other thoughts on attachment style and how it how you've seen it play out in your lives or with your kids. I was just going to say, you know, if everybody was handed, uh, you know, a document at the beginning of their marriage or uh, when they have children, like this is what you're signing up for. You know, this is that be cool. It it would, be, and I think it it's kind of generally known, but you know, to put it in these simpler terms, like your responsibility is to be, you know, and they say that in you know in marriage ceremonies, right. different things. Um, it, if it was just said in such a simple way, I think people would, you know, know better what they're <laughs> what they're getting into when they're in a relationship. You know, that's all. I, I, yeah, that's a good I, point. You know, well, and, it just and all we, sounds so simple, but putting it into practice is a little different. Yeah. Um, what what do you two think makes um, those attachment moments so scary for most of us? Are you to asking like from our particular attachment styles, or or just in general? I mean, it depends on you can be personal or you can be more theoretical, whichever way you want to go. So, what makes it most scary? I think we, I mean, we all want like what you were saying. The mind and the heart always is seeking to have secure relationships, and so what's the most scary is when we're not met with our same desires. And I think for whatever reason, whether it's their own personal trauma or their own attachment style, they don't, they don't always meet us where we are or where we want to be. And then that seems very counterproductive because one person might want connection and the other person is dealing with something different. It's the timing is off. It feels like so often. And that, for me is personally what's most scary is I may be as a preoccupied or anxious attachment style, maybe looking and turning towards wanting that secure base. And the other person might not know that that's what I'm looking for, or Ben might not understand that this is what I'm looking for. So maybe my question for you would be how, how do we mitigate that problem where you know, if I'm looking for a secure moment, a secure attachment moment, how do I let the other person know, like my husband know that that's what I'm looking for? This is different than, hey, how was your day? This is, hey, I need, I need some security here. How does that happen? Exactly what you just said. In in my experience, most people that are that are in a committed relationship want to be a good a good partner want to be a good spouse, want to be a good husband, wife. And, and the biggest error that takes place most of the time is not recognizing those moments. Mm. And so by saying exactly what you just said, hey, Ben, this is an attachment moment. J- just to let you know, I'm feeling unorganized. That level of vulnerability almost always will elicit a, a, a positive response from the other person. Because he loves you, right? And most of the time, again, that person that person loves you, and they just don't either recognize it or don't know how to do it. And so, by saying this, I, and I try to say that, hey, this is an attachment moment, FYI. Um, 
And, and that lets the person shift gears in their head. And hopefully then in this case, Ben would immediately think, okay, attachment moment, sensitivity, and availability. I need to turn off the TV. I need to put my phone down. I need to turn off the computer. I need to turn and look at Jen. And, and I need to, to make sure that I am being available and that she understands that I'm being available. And then I need to respond with sensitivity. And so recognizing and, and, and understanding that first and foremost, it's each of our own responsibility to try to get our needs met in healthy ways is super important. And so if I'm the disorganized person, I have a, a responsibility to do all of my power to set up my secure base to, to be able to respond well to me. And so by giving her a heads up, um, letting her know that it's an attachment moment sets her up to be able to respond, um, to be ready to respond well to that. Really so great then point. I have a, a question then about that. You mentioned that we have three places to go to get our secure, yeah. secure or attachment needs met, which is our parental figure. But as a married person, would you weight that differently absolutely. as opposed to yeah. the spousal so, relationship and then God. Yes. So absolutely. So when we're, when we're from infancy through adulthood, that as, as we're born and that the primary attachment relationship develops between a mother and the infant. Um, and then uh, and we develop an attachment relationship with dads. Um, occasionally, will develop kind of pseudo attachment relationships with a teacher or a grandparent if they play a significant enough role, which can be kind of dangerous for the same reasons that you pointed out a second ago. And then as we enter adolescence, we, we, de- we begin to develop attachment relationship with peers. And in adulthood, the primary attachment relationship is between spouses. And so that parental relationship shifts from being the primary attachment relationship to a secondary attachment relationship hopefully still functional, um, although many of us enter adulthood with, with, without great attachment relationships with our parents. Um, but yeah, in adulthood, that primary attachment relationship is between spouses, and then, and then God can also function as, as, an atta- as a secure base as well. Um, during, during adolescence and adulthood, um, but I, I really want to, to kind of emphasize the point that you made that, um, that we talked about the other day, which is there, there really just aren't very many relationships in our lives where we get to be number one. There, there just, there just aren't, you know, and like you said, you, you've got some really close and dear friends and, um, and, and so do I, and, and I've got, you know, I've got some siblings that, um, you know, my brother lives here in town and, and, um, is a, is a good, a good relationship in my life and a close relationship. But if I try to get my attachment needs met from him, then when my needs go up to bat against his wife's needs, who's going to lose? I'm going to lose right. Appropriately. So because she has primacy in his life, but if I'm trying to get my needs of mattering and safety from him, how am I going to feel when she wins and I lose? I'm going to feel like I don't matter, right? I'm right. If, like so I'm if, you're go, if you're barking up the wrong tree, exactly, then you're just going to you're going to 
justify your greatest concern, which is yep. that I don't matter. So knowing where to go to get your needs met seems like that's the most important huge. thing, it's right? Huge. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, huge because because then inadvertently, you know, I know that Dirk loves me, my brother loves me, and that I'm important in his life, but I also know that I I can't be number one in his life, right? Mm -hmm. But switch that around and if I go to my wife and and my needs bat come up to bat against her sister's needs, I get to win that battle, right? <laughs> I get to be number one there. And so that that absolutely is the place where I, in a healthy relationship, I get to have primacy and I get to matter and I get to be safe with her. It's the only, it's the only place. And and so as long as as long Ben, as long as Jen is in that folder in your life and Jen as long as Ben is in that folder you are each other's source for your for your mattering and your safety and so if you're in an unhealthy relationship with somebody that is unwilling to meet those needs you really cannot get those needs met in healthy ways as long as that unhealthy person is in that folder in your life and so it really leaves us with two options, right? We can either work to try to repair that so that that so that our needs are getting met in healthy ways, um, or you get out of that relationship, right? Um, it's my experience that most of the time, when somebody knows how to do this, they're willing to change. Um, of course, there are occasions when when that's not the case, and then you've got some hard decisions to make, but. So let me ask you this then for advice. Like we we're just crossing this threshold into having adult married kids. What would you have told us 20 years ago that would have helped us or, you know, we're, I feel like we're kind of renewing our marriage right now. So how, what would you say to us? What would you say to newlyweds? What would you say to those that don't, know well, how to repair their different attachment styles. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um I, I've actually um been contemplating one of um one of my employees said that I sh I should do a kind of a condensed um attachment class entitled so you think you want to get married. Um because I think I I think education is 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 a huge part of this. You can't do what you don't know. And so one of the things that I would do is I would help I would help get them educated either through literature or, or a class um, or, you know, a few sessions with somebody so that they can learn how to do this because if they don't understand it, then they can't do it well. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, my, my oldest daughter got married a year ago and um, she's probably heard way more of this stuff than she ever wanted to. But, um, but it's been really cool to see, to see how she's she's managed those attachment moments and and because of you know because of covid and um the craziness we had we had um her and my son-in-law with us for six weeks in the springtime and um and so it, it's been really cool to watch her be able to navigate that because she understands these things and so i think um i i think the biggest thing is and i think it's one of the best things that you can do as a parent 
is to educate them about this. Give them an opportunity to know these things right out of the gate. Because it's so much easier to set up a relationship well than to change it once it's not functioning super well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can agree to that. Yeah, it's. It, I think there's been a lot of damage because we haven't known. You know, it, I it, I think, it, again, like I'm not, I don't think I'm a naturally attached person, but, ha- you know, having the education can change it. And I, and I think, you know, I think if she not, and she's said this before, um, she doesn't feel like it's her responsibility to come and tell me like, Hey, I need to be attached to you right now. I should be, I should naturally just do that, you know, but I, I go off into my own world and she, you know, with the, the whole back turned thing is just, you know, spot on because she doesn't want to like come and I might be a person who would like turn, turn them around and be like, come here. You know, <laughs> I need to be, a t- but she's not going to, she's not going to come after it. And I think that's where, you know, over so many years of having my back, so to speak to her oblivious because I didn't know better, <clears throat> it's caused more damage. And now I think, you know, I need to learn to be turned and she needs to learn to tell me that she needs it too. So the reason you know? <clears throat> I feel like that's so important is because that back turning meant something different. Like I assigned a meaning to that that had nothing to do with attachment. And I made it about me for so many years. And what I didn't know is that I was, you know, I was seeking him in maybe ways that I didn't need to. I needed to fill my own needs. I needed to do my own, my own things to make myself feel secure. And because he didn't know that he was, you know, a deta- is it detached? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't know Avoid that that was yeah. his attachment style. You know, it just that that chasm between us because we didn't understand our attachment styles. I think did cause some injury into the relationship and inadvertent, right? Yeah. Inadvertent, and now it it really does help us to understand where I'm coming from and where he's coming from. And, you know, for, for many years, that shoulder turn was just him being busy and providing, and it really didn't have a whole lot to do with me. And I wish I would have known earlier what that meant. But the more that we were unattached, you know, and she started not trusting me for attachment, then I got, then I got disinterested and started thinking the problem was with me. And it, and it, it very much is, but then then the chasm gets, right. It's almost we created a bigger problem. Yeah. The same problem, but we created a bigger problem because we didn't understand it. Right. And then, and that's, and that's it. And then we continue to engage in these ways that elicit exactly what we, what we expect. Right. So powerful. And, and I think that the two of you are, are really great examples because you're doing something about it. I mean, you're, you're, you're both, you're, you're perfect examples because you're both striving to, to become more and more healthy and and instead of just staying on these parallel courses that that your brains were set on before you even realized it you're doing something to proactively change that and and to me that is successfully attaching that's successfully doing life because it's it's hard and it's messy and, and very few of us enter adulthood on this perfect secure path and 
Um, and and I just I really admire both of you because you're you're doing you're doing something about it. And well, I admire you for being willing to stick with us because the it feels so good to feel attached to somebody. And, you know, we've had to sort of learn how to do that with each other. And you've helped us to, to sort of learn a few of those steps. And I admire, you know, you for being willing to, to teach us and having the education to do it because we're pretty, I mean, I love this stuff, you know, I've read so much about it. And it didn't matter how much how many tools I had in my tool belt, I needed somebody to teach me how to use them. And that's sort of where you came into play. And it really, that has made our life so much better. It knowing that we have somebody to attach ourselves to. And when we're still learning, I'm still learning what it feels like to be able to sit securely in attachment. And he's learning how to sit into this secure attachment. And we've been married for 20 years. So it's a work in progress, but I feel like we're we are making progress. I really, really do. Well, it does kind of stuff, there's there's Sorry, nothing Dad. better than being attached, you know? It's just and everybody knows that feeling of being secure. And I guess this can be maybe for another <laughs> another podcast is how to keep that going because it's one thing to kind of learn these these things and these ideas and understand them, but in the day to day, you know what and this is all things that we're starting to work on again, thanks to you, you know, like what we can do every day to keep, keep the fire burning, you know? Right. And some of that goes back to the reservoir, right. And, and making sure that you're doing marital fillers. And some of that goes to the daily routine variables that, um, that are, that meet those needs of, of love and belonging and self-worth, which, which I, we do need to talk more about, but I, that's, that's probably, I don't know how long we've been going, but that's, that's probably um, as long as people want to listen. So <laughs> I, uh, I really appreciate you joining me. And I, yeah, I just, you know, I, I think, you know, I think the world of both of you and I. Well, we think the world of you. We're you definitely know, not experts on, on attachment theory. I mean, we're, we're maybe experts on what it is to be anxious and avoidant, but that's about, <laughs> well, that's about all we're you're, experts you're at. You're also experts on, on doing something about it. And that's, um, well, that's exactly thank you. Thing, so. Thank you for helping us learn that. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for your time. I really, it's fun to see you. Yeah. yeah. You thanks, too. Adam. We'll talk to you.